This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General. Sean McClain. Welcome. Welcome. So you Everybody, welcome in Sunday evening, the Utopia Football Podcast. I forgot what this feels like to do one following a Texans loss. It's been uh, it's been over a month uh, since uh, since week eight, so it's been four weeks, so about a month since we've done one of these after a loss. The Texans' three game winning streak is over. They lose today, twenty four twenty one, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, and I am joined as always by my co-host, my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, the winning streak is over, and now the Texans, as a result of today's outcome, find themselves in a uh, in a swamp full of seven and six and five win teams in the AFC. And if the playoffs were today, they would not be in it. They blew a great opportunity. They had too many explosive plays and penalties on defense. Couldn't run the ball. Snafus on special teams, and they still lost by three points. It's pretty amazing. Denver comes in here red hot. You know, the Broncos have forced, I think I just heard, 15 turnovers in the last four games. Could that be right? That's unbelievable if that's true. But all I know is been a long time they've lost, and they went from last week playing one team on the schedule after this one winning with a winning record, Cleveland. Now you got Indy, which is in this would be in the playoffs today because of the victory over the Texans in Denver, which is red hot. So the schedule just got tougher. Uh, yeah, and we'll get to Denver later in the week. And, and for those who, you know, who didn't see Dem- yeah, Denver beat Cleveland, beat them pretty good today, beat them like a drum, 29 to 12. As far as this game against the Jaguars, I mean, you kind of hit on some of the things, John, like if you give up four plays, and I'm sure we'll hit this in stock up and stock down. If you hit four play, if you give up four plays of 42 yards or more, I'm guessing your percentage of time that you lose that game is, is a very, very high percentage. And the Texans did that today. And they almost all of them led to points. The only one that didn't was right before the half where Desmond King was able to 
keep Travis Etienne out of the end zone on a first and goal at the one yard line. John, I just got done doing the post game show. The officials were a big topic on the post game show. Texans only had on on the box score. It just reads seven penalties for forty nine yards. The Jags had six penalties for like thirty five yards. So you look at it, you go, well, that's pretty even. No, no, no. Those seven penalties, four of the seven penalties were either pass interference or defensive holding calls that came on third downs. Three of them came down in like deep in the red zone. Two of them set up first and goal situations at the one yard line where the Jags ended up cashing in on both of those. Um, And I will say that, John, I'm not usually a complaint about the refs guy, but at least a couple of those looked incredibly, incredibly ticky tack to me today. Especially the hold on Steven Nelson, but they didn't lose because the penalties they lost because they blew it Uh, going deep on third and fourth down. Both are incompletions. I'll guarantee you Bobby Slowick didn't call those. Uh, uh, C.J. Stroud has options. I asked Miko about it after the game, and I knew he wasn't going to say anything and put the onus on Stroud. But you have options, and Slowick's not going to call back-to-back bombs, which are uh, high risk. And uh, But they had a lot of things, couldn't run. and uh, But they still came within three, you know, the – there's a lot of talk about D'Amico going for the 58-yard field goal instead of having Stroud go for fourth and 12. But Amendola hit it right down the middle. He just couldn't make it. He's never made a 50-yard field goal in the NFL. Missed two today. And uh, I'm not surprised if they're not looking for another kicker. Hopefully, Kami Fairbairn can come back sooner rather than later because they've got one more move that they can make off injured to reserve. And I'm sure they're saving it for him, which means Charlie Eck is done for the season, and even though he's a full participant, you know, they're not looking for tackles. Juice Scruggs had to play guard for the first time since college, and it was one reason they couldn't run the ball. But, boy, giving up big sacks at the end to Josh Allen, man, oh, man, it just killed them. But they still could have won the game. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, that's, I would say, I mean, you touched on the decision-making there. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't call deep shots to Dalton Schultz and to whoever the other one was thrown to, I forget. Miscommunications with Nico. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure those weren't the calls. That said, it was Bobby's call to put him in shotgun, to put CJ in shotgun on third and less than a yard. Like that's – so, I mean, they, so they're calling pass plays there, John, and I, and I know we complain about the Texans running game all the time, but at some point it's – at some point they've got to be an offense that can line up and get third and less than a yard and don't have to put CJ Stroud – in shotgun during in a game in which he was running for his life for most of the day. CJ dropped back by my count. He dropped back 46 times because he had 36 pass attempts. He was sacked four times and he had six rushes. And I don't think any of them were designed runs. They were all scrambles of some sort. So he dropped back to pass 46 times. John, I would, I would be willing to bet that, that he was on the run or forced out of whatever the play call was like he, he, in those 36 pass attempts, I'm guessing at least half of them, he threw after rolling out of the pocket. The first, second, and third reads weren't there, or he just had pressure in his face too soon to even to even worry about who the reads were on the play. He just he's just trying to stay alive and throw passes. Nothing came easy today for CJ Stray. Even though the box score looks like some things came easy, 26 of 36 for over 300 yards. Um, I felt like everything was laborious today for this offense. They also had that play where it's inexcusable. Tank Dell didn't line up right, which wiped out his great 62-yard catch. 
think yeah. of what the, those stats would have looked like. Dell didn't get, didn't touch the ball in the second half after having five for 50 in the first, and Nico Collins stepped up. Ten players caught at least one pass. Dalton Schultz had one for two yards, and mm. tight ends just weren't used at all. They weren't targeted. I don't know if they were covered. I don't know if it was – or the game plan just didn't call for them. I can't imagine that it did not, but – I thought Stroud played really, really well under the circumstances. No turnovers after six in the previous two games. And so couldn't, we can't lay this one on him. He was tremendous. Offensive line was terrible and uh, couldn't run block, couldn't pass protect. Other than that, they were fine. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Other than that, they were really friendly to CJ on the sidelines. They got him water when he needed it. That's uh, that's what they're there for. Um, so as far as I'm looking at the standings right now, John, and if the uh, – season were to end today and i realize buffalo is still playing right now so that's going to factor in um they're still playing the eagles as we speak um but as you mentioned the texans as of right now they're on the outside looking in not only on the outside looking in but in a sunday where they if they'd won this game they would have walked out of nrg stadium in first place they're in third place in the division right now because the colts and the texans are tied at six and five but that as you mentioned that week two win stands as the tiebreaker right now between both of them. So, John, there is a mosh pit of teams. Pittsburgh at 7-4, and four, Cleveland at 7-4, and four, Indy at 6-5, and five, the Texans are 6-5, and five, Denver, who comes here next week, is 6-5. and five. Buffalo is either going to be 7-5 and five or 6-6, six and six, depending on how that game works out. Um, and, and, now you, and then you've got Cincinnati 5-6, and six, who I think they're, they're done just because there's no more Joe Burrow. Las Vegas loses today to Kansas City. It feels like they're starting to kind of – find their water level, which is not very good with Aiden O'Connell and an interim head coach. They're five and seven chargers play tonight. The, the, the Ravens could effectively end the Chargers season tonight if they beat them and the chargers are at four and seven. So there is starting to get to be a little bit of separation. I think with some of the teams like that, you can start to see like, yeah, the Raiders, they were a fun story at five and five winning a couple games after firing Josh McDaniels, but that's not a good football team. So the, the group that we're really talking about here, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Houston, Denver, and Buffalo. The thing that makes me feel good, John, I feel like maybe other than Buffalo, the Texans have the best quarterback out of all those teams right now. Well, that's the truth. And uh, and I tell you, wouldn't it be interesting if the last game of the season in Indianapolis had huge implications, but the exact opposite reason of last, the yeah. opposite of last season. Isn't that amazing? Like those two teams were playing in a game last year where the topic of conversation was the first pick in the draft. And there's a, there's a, a, I would say a puncher's chance that that game could mean something to both teams at the, uh, at the end of the season. That's, that's, uh, that's, it's pretty incredible. Absolutely. And, and of course, Anthony Richardson done. And I said early, I thought they had a better chance to win under Gardner Minshew because Richardson was so inexperienced and would have had his, ups and downs that's actually worked against the Texans, but I'll guarantee you that's going to have playoff implications. If not for one for both, unless they collapse. And uh, I don't, the Texans now that's seven games in a row since the kick missed with 29 seconds left, seven games in a row decided in the last 30 seconds. Crazy. It's crazy, man. It's if you're a Texan fan that has any sort of heart trouble, this has been a rough season to watch. Some of the games have been good. Some have been bad, but they've all over the last couple months been very, very exciting. No doubt about that. Yeah, John, you ready I, to do it? Yeah, but I prefer the games like Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Those are easy on the heart. 
that's because we can just chill for the fourth quarter and go over and eat some of those cake pops that they had there today in the press box. It's just such a nice spread on Battle Red. They had Battle Red cake pops in the Fact that would be my first stock up. Battle Red Cake. I'm just joking, but that's uh, the the McNairs for the buffet in the press box today. Good job, McNairs. You ready? Showtime on May 3rd. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, you ready to do four stock up, four stock down, John? I am. All right, let's do it. Four stock up, four stock down. John and I pick out four uh, people, coaches, players, storylines, whatever. Um, four things that went well, four things that didn't go so well today. And, John, as always, you go first. I'll go with the obvious C.J. Stroud, 304 yards, two touchdown passes, touchdown running. He uh, also was the leading rusher, averaged 7.8 yards of carry. I was uh, sitting next to Dan Graziano from ESPN. Boy, ESPN was there. NFL Network there. And uh, Dan was saying, does he usually run this well? And I said, yeah, when he needs to. And, of course, he had to today. And he throws well on the run. But uh, it wasn't Stroud's fault that they lost this game. It's amazing. Six turnovers in the last two games, and they win. Zero today, and they lose. There's a lot of places to place the blame. Yeah, they won the turnover battle today. I said that on the post-game show. They need to start losing the turnover battle again. That's when they win games. They win the turnover battle today, and they lose 24-21. to 21. Yeah, Stroud, Stroud's an easy one for, for stock up. I'll build off of your stock up, John, because uh, on the other end of uh, a lot of those throws from C.J. Stroud today was Nico Collins, who was great. Seven catches for 104 yards. He got into the end zone. feel like it's been a while since we've had a Nico touchdown. I'm trying to think. Maybe that Tampa Bay game was the last time he got into the end zone. So um, Tank Dell's been the, 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 the big darling over the last couple of weeks, and he was in the first half of this game. John, he didn't get targeted in the second half of this game, Tank Dell. This was the Nico Collins show. And I'm anxious to go back and watch and see if maybe that was an adjustment that the, the – um, the, oh God, oh, my God, that the Jaguars made today um, to – you know, maybe take Tank Dell away, and maybe some of that was the reason why Nico, you know, maybe Nico was getting some single coverage or he was getting some big gaps in the defense because of Tank Dell. But this was shaping up to be a Tank Dell game. It wound up being a Nico Collins game. Seven catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. Good to see Nico get back into the 100-yard club again. It was interesting that they had three explosive plays. Jaguars had four. Theirs were longer. And if Tank Dell hadn't lined up wrong, they would have had four, too, and Tank would have had – more than 100 yards, but I guarantee you they made the adjustment to take him out. Nico took advantage of it. Do we know, Sean, if they've had a game this year where all their top receivers were available, meaning Noah Brown, who was on, who was injured early, 
that they have Brown, Nick Odell, and Robert Woods all available at the same time. I'm, maybe there's one, but I can't remember. Well, the season opener, this right, the season opener was, was Brown injured up the season. No, opener remember he kept. Playing? Remember the. Remember he kept getting. He kept getting plays on third. Like they were throwing him like bubble screens on third and six. Like he's uh, like he was DeAndre Hopkins. I think in that Ravens game early in the year. I think. I think the the season opener. I think they had all those guys. Um, that might have been the only time they've had him. I think it is too, because Noah Brown went right on the injured reserve list for about four or five weeks after that. Didn't come back until I think like either the, either the New Orleans game or the Carolina game. Um, you better so, come yeah, back you, if he wants more money. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, and get and, and so he can eat. You know what I mean? Because CJ, if if you're open, CJ's going to get you the football. That much, that much we learned. All right, John, who's your other stock up today? I'm going with the guy you and Clint interviewed after the game, Christian Harris, twelve tackles. I, I don't know when they threw a screen pass to Dearness Johnson for 42 yards. That's not a, I don't think a defensive back, it might've been a linebacker. And then when Luke Farrell tied in also is wide open for a 42 yard catch, I'm not sure who the responsibility was, but I thought Christian Harris continued to improve. And uh, he had, he had a couple of deflections. I just thought he played really good, always around the ball, not missing a lot of tackles, missed one big one last week. But I like what Christian Harris is doing right now. Him, instead of Blake Cashman, was the leading tackler, and that's usual. That's unusual. Yeah, he's really come into his own, John, Christian Harris. It's really since like halftime of the Tampa Bay game back in week nine. He's been one of the top three or four players on this defense, in my opinion, over that time period. He's been really, really good. That's been nice to see, man. If you get these young guys, if Jalen Petrie can ever figure things out, you get Stingley back. And by the way, Stingley will be mine. Stingley gets yes. another interception today. I think we got to put him in the stock up category. He gets the yes. interception today. He was pretty good in coverage, I think, too. He was he was on the coverage on the third down that they, they got them off the field. I know Zay Jones went up and caught the football but Stingley had good enough coverage to where Zay Jones landed out of bounds on that play um Stingley looks really good like Stingley looks like the guy they thought they were getting when they took him with the third overall pick Nick Casario's got to be so happy about that now if they can relieved probably relieved yeah yeah relieved that's even better now they've got to keep him healthy and him continue to play like this play like a guy he was supposed to be who was the third overall pick Yep. All right. Let's do our four stock down, John, and then uh, we can uh, we can bug on out of here. Who you got as your first stock down? Tavier Thomas. He got beat for a touchdown. He had two penalties against him. One takey tacky, but still, you know, he on that one series he just got abused and uh, and uh, he just didn't play well at all. The long pass with Christian Kirk at the end of the first half ultimately didn't cost him, but that was because Doug Peterson didn't want to take the chip shot field goal, but uh, Tavier Thomas had a tough game. It was brutal. I remember saying that. I was up in the press box. I'm like, man, he is going to want to burn this tape. Like, he, he was he was terrible today. And they were, they were John, they were seeking him out. And this is a team, the Jags, who just, they're so deep at receiver. They had all their guys there today. You know, they had the, 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 their three guys, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Christian Kirk. And at any given time, one of the Tavier Thomas has to cover one of them. If that's if you're going to have Nelson and Stingley out there, and he's your Tavier's your slot, he's going to wind up on one of these guys. And they all took turns abusing Tavier Thomas at some point during this game today. Absolutely. 
All right. Uh, my first stock down is going to be Matt Amendola, and it's not because of the 58-yard field goal miss at the end of the game that boinked off of the crossbar. Um, kicked it right down the middle. 58 yards is tough. His long is 50. He's a street-free agent for a reason. I I was a little surprised they kicked a 58-yard field goal instead of giving C.J. Stroud a chance to convert 4th and 12, but 4th and 12 is awfully tough to convert. Um, in the end of the day, it was probably the right decision. They, you know, they, they probably came closer to making that 58-yard field goal than maybe they would have getting a 4th and 12, especially the way Josh Allen was rushing the passer at the end of the game. But independent of that, that uh, miss at the end of the game, he missed another field goal right before the half which left the Jags with amazing field position on a 50-yard field goal miss. His, he had an extra point in this game, John, that barely snuck inside the left upright. His, he missed a field goal last week against Arizona. His field goals against Cincinnati back in week 10. Uh, the game winner barely snuck inside the upright. His 45-yarder barely snuck inside the left upright. And I get it. like they all, If they sneak inside the upright, they still count as three points which would be fine if he was making all of his kicks, but he's missing kicks now for this team that, that, that are, you know, that you, he, I get it. 50 yards is a tough field goal. You got to make one every now and then. And so that's why with me, like the fact that he's so shaky left to right and he's missing kicks um, at the very least, John, they've got to bring in two or three kickers this week just to look at them and see if there's a better option out there than Matt Amendola. And I, I would be curious too, um, nobody, I don't think you guys asked D'Amico this in the post-game press conference. Maybe this is a question for tomorrow. Like, where is Kaimi right now with his quad? We know he's got, he has to miss at least. He will never tell anything about injuries. Okay. Let's put, well, he's, so we'll we know see that where Ka- it is. Right. Okay. That's so we, we'll and I'm not, and I'm not throwing shade at you guys, the reporters for not asking him. I'm not, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, we know Kaimi has to miss at least one more game. I am hoping and praying that this quad injury is not a serious, serious quad injury because they need to get him back. Like you really gain an appreciation for just a professional NFL kicker when you've got one that's as shaky as Amendola has been these last few weeks. I can't wait till Fairbairn's back because you can't talk to him when they're on IR and ask yeah. him, how do you kick a 50-yard field goal and high-fine everybody and you're walking off the field fine and then you got a quad injury that puts you on IR? Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened in that Cincinnati game. Absolutely. So um, we'll see. Do you think they bring in some kickers for tryouts this week, John, or you just think they just roll with Amendola for another week? I'm guessing if they think it's one more, they'll roll with Amendola. If they, we'll find out because if they think it's going to be more than one yeah. more week for Kaimi, I think that they'll bring in kickers. Maybe that's the tell. If they bring in some guys for tryouts this week, maybe that's the tell that it could be longer than just one more week for Kaimi. That's a really good point. All right, John. Who is your, uh, who is your, who is your other stock down? The offensive line. They did a terrible job of run blocking. The backs were were useless, and they did a terrible job at pass protection, especially when they needed it late in the game. And uh, Josh Allen had two sacks, and he can he shared one with Trayvon Walker. It was just inexcusable that they couldn't protect CJ Stroud. They've done such a better job of it. But, boy, Josh Allen always abuses them. So far, it hadn't hurt them, except it, I'm not sure what he did last year in that game here that was 31-3. to Fact is, the Texans have owned the Jaguars in Jacksonville, and the Jags have won two in a row here in the offensive line. 
tremendously to this defeat. Uh, yeah, it was bad today. It was bad all the way around. It, it, and, and John, we kind of got a wake up call like, okay, um, the, the, they ran the ball the last couple weeks pretty well. And it's probably because they were playing the Bengals and the Cardinals who stink at defending the run. The good news is Denver next week, not a very good team against the run either. So maybe they'll get something going next week. The two running backs combined for 11 carries for 32 yards. Like CJ Stroud was your leading rusher by a country mile on scrambles that weren't designed runs. Um, and Tank Dell had one carry for two. Like you take out those two plays, Tank Dell's reverse, his end around in the fourth quarter, and CJ's 47 yards scrambling. This is just, it's a bad run game. Like I, I, I like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I guess you just work around it. Um, so yeah, mind off with that in mind, John. Um, for the second straight week, Bobby Slowick did very curious things, if not detrimental things, on short yardage situations. Yeah. Last week, it was the pitch out to Mike Boone on fourth and two, and the Andrew Beck handoff on third and one, which left the Texans turning the ball over in the case of the fourth down and having to punt the ball in the case of the third down. This time around, it was putting C.J. Stroud in shotgun on third and a short yard. It wasn't third and a, a regular yard. It was short. It was third and like a, a foot and a half. Um, you know, it was a play where the Eagles would basically just get up underneath Jalen Hurts and shove him by the butt over the line. Um, the Texans, they go into shotgun and wind up throwing deep balls. And as you point out, Bobby Slowick, I'm sure, didn't call for a bomb on third down and a bomb on fourth down. It's just everything broke down and C.J.'s throwing it to somebody so he doesn't take a sack there but this this is the this is the uh this is this the second straight week that Bobby Slowick has done some very very curious things on sh in short yardage situations overall Bobby Slowick's grade to me is still like an A minus as the offensive coordinator to this team how could it not be he's got a rookie quarterback that's leading the league in passing yards right now or close to it um, but some of his decision making he just gets so cute sometimes in these situations and it's very frustrating one of the things about Stroud on those two plays is a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback's going to make mistakes, and uh, I can understand it. But, man, going deep on two, third and one and fourth and one was just so risky. And, of course, neither one worked. And I like to see Stroud run. Third and one, put him, put him behind the center. You can fake it. You can have people think he's going to sneak it. You can have him roll out. There's a lot of things you can do. Whereas if you're in shotgun, you basically know he's going to throw the ball. Yep. All right, John. Um, you, I would imagine you have a report card that's coming out on SportsRadio610.com. I do, and there's only one A, and that is C.J. Stroud. Some D's and F's, and uh, to be expected. Ah, good. I like it. Curmudgeonly, Professor McLean is back in the building. I love to see that. Um, so, uh, so we'll look for that on SportsRadio610.com. Uh, John, I enjoyed it. I wish it was. I uh, wish we were doing this under victorious circumstances, but this. This we know, win or lose today, the Texans are playing important games in December, and that is an upgrade over the last few years. Playing a lot better than we thought they were, and hopefully this time last week we won't be talking about a second consecutive home loss when they play the improved Broncos. Absolutely. Can't wait to break that one down with you during the week, John. If you guys want to email us for our mailbag episode, mailbag at gmail.com. We do it on Tuesday. So get us your questions, mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, for Bryce, our producer today, uh, who's substituting for James, James Jackson is back next week. Bryce, who's going to get this out to you guys on a, on a, in a very quick fashion. We appreciate him. 
We appreciate all of you clicking that subscribe button so you get the podcast automatically and you don't even have to think. It just shows up on your device and that's that's how we do things. So click that subscribe button. For John McClain and for our producer Bryce, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you on Tuesday this week for a mailbag episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great weekend.